Let us turn in God's word this evening to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister, according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have fullness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Thus far we read God's holy and inerrant word. May God bless the reading of his holy scriptures unto our hearts. The text that we consider this evening for the sermon is the 16th verse of Ephesians chapter 3 that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ,
Christ a couple of weeks ago in the prior sermon in the series through Ephesians, we considered the manner in which we come unto God in prayer. We come unto God in prayer not apprehensively or tentatively, but according to the instruction of God's word, we come with boldness and with confidence unto God. Ephesians 3 verse 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. After the Apostle Paul establishes the manner in which we approach our Father in prayer, he then goes on himself to offer a prayer unto God. Verse 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is why now I am going to pray. And then the following verses, from verses 16 through the end of this chapter, records for us the content of the prayer that the Apostle Paul offered to God for the Gentile congregations. We're going to look at a number of the petitions that the Apostle Paul offered in this prayer, beginning with the petition given in verse 16, that he, God, would grant you to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. So let's consider this text this evening under the theme, A Petition for Might. I have changed the points from what I put in the bulletin. The first point will be the necessity Second point will be the petition. We'll look at the petition itself. And then the third point will be the confidence. The confidence. The necessity, the petition, the confidence. For us to understand the necessity of making this petition unto God, we must know something about what is the inner man. The Apostle Paul petitioned God regarding the Gentiles, that they would be strengthened with might in the inner man. But what is that inner man? The inner man is to be distinguished from the outward man. The outward aspect of man is that which is visible. The human eye can observe the outward man and can make judgments and conclusions about the outward man. If somebody is feeling sick, physically sick, he can go unto the doctor and the doctor can make an examination of that outward man using a stethoscope, taking the blood pressure of that man. And he conduct an exam to conclude about what might be ailing that outward aspect of man. But how does one evaluate the inner man? What is the stethoscope by which we can make examinations about regarding one's heart? 
The inner man refers to the heart or the soul of man. Sometimes the health of the inner man is reflected in the outer man. You can make observations about how one's heart is, one's spiritual heart is, or how one's soul is, based on what you observe in the outer appearance of that man. The psalmist speaks of this reality that there is a correlation between what he experienced in his heart and what was outwardly evident in his life. Psalm 42, verses 2 and 3. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night. So there was an instance where, according to the psalmist's own confession, he was struggling, his soul was crying out unto God. But then in that instance, those inner spiritual struggles that he had within himself became evident physically, outwardly. His tears were his meat day and night. Oftentimes that is the case, is it not? When we are struggling internally, when there is a grief of heart that is ours, when there is a burden, a sorrow, hurt, or shame, It is reflected in our outward appearance. At times we might try to hide from others the struggles that we experience in our heart. For we do not like to be vulnerable and let others see the struggles that we have in the inner man. But those who know us and those who know us well are oftentimes quick to pick up on struggles in the inner man. At other times, however, there is a disparity between the appearance of the outward man and the condition of the inner man. The Apostle Paul speaks of this in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. For which cause... We faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And so here the Apostle Paul describes for us a situation in which the outward man is in one condition, but then the inner man has a different condition. The outward man perishes. There are times where a man bears a heavy burden, a burden so great that it takes a toll upon his body. It's evident that this man is afflicted. He shoulders burdens in the home, in the workplace, or in the church. And these burdens that he bears takes a toll upon his body so that he becomes wore down. 
And others, as they observe this man, can see that he is becoming wore down by this burden that he bears. And yet, in spite of all of those burdens that he has, there's life in that man. For his inner man is renewed day by day. There's strength, there's spiritual vitality within that individual. And so at times then there is an unlikeness between the outward man and the inner man. And the opposite can be true as well. That sometimes there's the outward man who appears to be doing well. The man who outwardly appears to have everything going well for him. He is successful as the world measures success. He is strong He has a smile on his face. Outwardly, it seems as if this man has everything going for him. And yet inwardly, that man is hurting. The smile across his face is but a mask to cover internal grief, hurt, or shame. Sometimes there is a likeness between the inner man and the outer man, and other times there is a disparity. Why is it that the Apostle Paul teaches us to ask, then to be strengthened with might in the inner man? He assumes here that the inner man does need to be strengthened. He would not have made this request about the inner man if he did not believe that the inner man must be strengthened with might. So for what reasons then did he make this request? And do we today make this request? In the first place, we make this request to have our inner man be strengthened with might because By nature, we are weak. The Scriptures compare us unto infants. Spiritual infants. And this is not meant to be offensive, but this is meant to be a realistic evaluation of how small our spiritual strength is. We are like little children. The Apostle John writes that way in 1 John 2, verse 1. My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. If you consider the newborn child, that newborn child has, in principle, everything that that child is going to need for its later development. The child has arms and legs, a mind and a mouth. And yet that young child does not yet have the strength to be able to carry out, to to use that body to carry out the responsibilities of adult life. The legs of that infant must be strengthened so that that child can stand up and walk. The mind of 
that child must be developed so that that child can communicate and reason as an adult. Well, just as it is that physically children go through stages of development and increase in strength and in might, so it is for us spiritually. The regenerated child of God has in principle within him or her all that the individual will need for life upon this earth. God gives unto that regenerated person strength. And yet those spiritual senses and spiritual, spiritual might must increase so that the child of God has the ability to resist temptation. We, like a child, take a few stuttering steps upon this earth and then are confronted by temptation and fall. The confession of every sincere child of God is how weak I am. Even as we heard this morning, that even the holiest have but a small beginning of this obedience. The evil that I would not, that I do. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Romans chapter 7. But then in the second place, we make this petition that we would be strengthened with might in the inner man because we understand something of the power of the one against whom we fight. We are engaged in a battle, and it is a battle against the devil. The devil, before he fell into sin, was Lucifer, He was the prince of the angelic realm. But then being lifted up in pride against God, he fell into sin. And in his fall into sin, the Scriptures teach us that he took as much as one-third of the angelic realm with him, who no longer serve as angels, but now are demons, sent forth from the devil, seeking to tempt the people of God to lead them into sin. And so the devil with great power goes forth and he attacks our inner man. That's what the devil is interested in. The inner man. He will use the trials of this life. He will use afflictions of the flesh, pain and diseases and injuries. But he uses those always in order that he can attack the inner man. The Scriptures describe the methods of the devil. Ephesians 6, verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles means the methods or the cunning of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high 
places. How unfair it would seem is this battle that we as Christians are engaged in against the devil. He has access unto spiritual wickedness in high places. He has access unto one-third of the fallen angels. And he uses these to attack the church. That's why we petition God that we would be strengthened with might in the inner man. It's because we recognize that of ourselves, we could not, we would not stand for a moment. Knowing then the necessity of this petition, let us understand the nature of the petition itself. We come to God on bended knee, asking Him that He would strengthen us with might by His Spirit in the inner man. Let us understand and note well that this is a petition that regards the inner man, the heart and the soul of man. This is not a petition that God would strengthen the outer man. Paul does not here pray that God would grant health, that God would grant recovery from sickness, or that God would give physical stamina to the elect Gentiles. Not that it would have been wrong of the Apostle Paul to make such a request for strength in the outer man. Elsewhere in the Scriptures, Paul did pray to be strengthened in that way. Recall that he had the thorn in the flesh. And he prayed three times over that the thorn in the flesh would be removed. Jesus, in his model prayer, teaches us to pray that day by day God would give us our daily bread. There are other circumstances or other situations where the Word of God does teach us to pray for things physical. But this is not the concern of the Apostle Paul in this particular text. In this text, he is praying that the inner man be strengthened. See, the Apostle Paul understood the significance of inner spiritual strength. We can set the two side by side. Here is strength in the outer man. Here is strength in the body and in the flesh. And here, on the other hand, is strength inwardly. Spiritual strength, strength in one's soul. And as one compares these two side by side, strength in the outer man and strength in the inner man, the conclusion is that it is far more needful for us to have strength in the inner man. Why so? Why is it that we need to be strengthened with might in the inner man? Because the Scriptures teach us that the inner man is he who lives on and goes into heaven. The outward man, the flesh, is temporary. 
It's shaped out of the dust. It lives on this earth for 70, perhaps by reason of strength, 80 years. And then that outward man returns unto the dust. But the inner man, the regenerated spirit, the new heart that God gives unto His people, that man endures. That man is He whom Jesus Christ takes up into heaven. So Paul prayed that the inner man would be strengthened. Meaning of this request is that the new man of Christ would be made strong as he battles against the old man of sin. It's a petition for an extra measure of grace and an extra portion of spiritual power to be granted. The petition for spiritual strength is a petition for endurance, spiritual endurance. Oh, how endurance is lacking in the world today. Man gives his commitment that he will do this or that, and he starts out with lots of energy taking on this task. And then a trial comes, a hardship. And right away that man loses his zeal and his energy for the commitment that he had made. And he gives up. Endurance. That's what we're praying for here when we pray that God strengthen us with might in the inner man. That we might be able to persevere in all of the trials and hardships that come to us in this life. A prayer for spiritual strength, for strength in the inner man, is a prayer that God would give unto us grace to drink daily of the water of life and eat daily of Him who is the bread of life. After all, that is how the inner man is strengthened. It's not apart from means that the inner man is strengthened but it is by the means of partaking of the bread of life that God is pleased to nourish our souls. So for us to pray, God, strengthen us in our inner man is to pray, God, grant unto me the strength to open up Thy Word, to read Thy Word, to study it, to be filled with Thy Holy Spirit, that Thy Spirit might make Thy Word come alive unto me. That's what we pray. Strengthen us with might in the inner man. What does the spiritually strong person look like? The natural eye cannot discern spiritual strength. Spiritual strength is not showy. Spiritual strength does not earn the praise of the people of the world. Spiritual strength at times is quiet. The spiritually strong man at times says nothing. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. Proverbs 26, verse 4. 
At other times, spiritual strength is revealed by speech. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Proverbs 25, verse 11. The spiritually strong individual is the one who is learning to control his or her emotions so that he is not quickly angered by the words and actions of others. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. James 1, verse 19. The woman of spiritual strength is she who is able to stand faithful before God even when her children test her day after day. Proverbs 24, verse 10, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. This is a prayer that Jehovah God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, would be at work in us by his Holy Spirit. We depend on him. The text uses the passive voice. A petition that you would be strengthened, not that you strengthen yourself, Not that I strengthen myself, but that you would be acted upon by someone else. That Almighty God would reach down and so work on you that you would be strong. Who is it that makes this petition? Who asks for spiritual strength? Certainly, it's limited to the elect. The unbeliever does not make this request. The unbeliever has no concern about spiritual strength in the inner man. Who who makes this request? You. You who are conscientious children of God. You who day by day must battle against the old man of sin, you who have ungodly colleagues in the workplace who face temptations there, you who are students in the university who are taught things by the professors that contradict the Word of God, you make this petition regarding yourself. God, grant unto me spiritual strength in the inner man. Who? Who makes this request? It's not just you regarding yourself. But did you notice in this text that it's Paul praying for the Gentiles? Throughout the context here, Paul has been speaking of his ministry among the 
early New Testament church. Paul, led by his own example in showing office bearers the love and the care that they are to have for the members of the church. This is the prayer of the pastor for the congregation. And beloved, this is the prayer of your pastor for you, that God would strengthen you with might in the inner man. Who? Who makes this petition? It's not just the minister, but it's the elders and the deacons, the fellow office bearers in the church. I know that they make this prayer for you. How do I know? Because I've heard them. In their prayers in the consistory room before we come into the sanctuary to worship with you, they pray for you. Before the consistory and the council meetings, and at the conclusion as well, they pray that God would uphold and bless you. Who? Who makes this petition? It's not just you. It's not just me, or the elders, or the deacons. But there's someone greater who makes this petition. Jesus. Jesus makes this prayer on behalf of the church. John 17, verse 9, Jesus says in his high priestly prayer, I pray for them, the elect. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. A little bit later, John 17, verse 15, I pray not that thou shouldest take them, the elect, out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them from evil. That's the prayer that Jesus Christ makes on behalf of His church, that God would preserve His people from evil. How costly was that prayer that Jesus Christ gave unto His Father. It cost Jesus Christ His own life to make that prayer unto God. He laid down his life at Calvary because he desired to strengthen you with might in the inner man. Jesus, as he sits enthroned at God's right hand in heaven and takes our prayers filled with so many weaknesses and imperfections, He perfects them and gives them to the Father, Himself interceding on our behalf to the Father. 
The confidence we have is that God is able to grant this request. We are confident that He is able to grant this request, for He is the God of unspeakable wealth. Verse 16, the first half, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory. The riches of God's glory refers to the abundance of God's wonderful and beautiful attributes. Our God is the God of infinite grace and beauty. He is the God of love and mercy, the God of justice and equity, the God of wisdom and power. He is the God who knows no limitations, but the God who is infinitely rich in His glory. This knowledge gives unto us confidence as we beseech Him to strengthen us with might in the inner man. We would have no confidence if we were going unto the poor beggar alongside of the road asking Him to strengthen us with might. We would have no confidence if we went to the false gods of this world asking them to strengthen us with might. For the false gods of this world, instead of giving unto those that worship them, instead take strength from those that worship them. But our God, in distinction from the false gods of this world, is a God who gives. He's the God of infinite riches and glory, and He gives to us His people. So let us ask, Let us make this request according to the riches of God's glory, according to that is proportionate to, in a way that corresponds unto the riches of God's glory. Is that how, beloved, you measure your petitions? according to the riches of God's glory? Or have you lowered your sights? Have you decided that you best not ask for something that lofty, that heavenly, that great, and so you've lowered your expectations? Have we become too modest in what we ask of God in prayer? Jesus teaches us that if we had faith the size of a mustard seed, we could move mountains. Oh, to be sure, there are times where we hardly dare lift up our eyes unto God to make a petition unto Him. There was a time when the believing woman in conversation with Jesus noted that even the dogs receive crumbs that fall off the table. There are times where that is all that we feel that we can ask for. We would hardly dare ask for the crumbs that fall off the table and 
trust that those crumbs would be sufficient. But that is not here the example of the Apostle Paul. He teaches us not to pray for crumbs, but for might. Pray that you would be filled with all of the fullness of Jesus Christ Himself. Pray that you would receive all of the blessings earned for you through the death of God's Son upon the cross. Pray with boldness and with confidence through the faith of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, we thank Thee for Thy Word. We thank Thee for the power of the Gospel. We thank Thee that Thou dost minister grace unto us even through Thy Word. Would Thou grant us strength in the week ahead that we might be faithful unto Thee. Would Thou keep us far from evil. For Jesus' sake we pray this. Amen.